Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. We're live, uh, finally, uh, here on the MMA Industry Podcast, uh, December 28th edition. I'm, of course, James Lynch, the host of this show, and this is the first time you're watching it. Uh, this is the podcast where we talk to people who cover uh, the mixed martial arts industry, whether it's uh, journalists, uh, PR people, managers, etc. And today, I got a really great guest, a guy that uh, I, I owe a lot of my career to. He's uh, the best PR guy in the business. Uh, a lot of people know who I'm talking about if you do work in the mixed martial arts industry, and that is Ed Cap of Iridium Sports, uh, Unified CES. He works for a bunch of different companies, but Ed... How are you today? I appreciate you taking the time. <laughs> I'm doing great, James. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate the, the opportunity. Yeah, it's, uh, it's good to talk to you. You know, uh, you and I talk all the time. I think this is one of the first times we've actually talked, uh, you know, over, uh, over you know, video or, or even audio at all, because usually it's just, uh, you know, texting and stuff as far as setting up interviews. But uh, yeah, for those who don't know, Ed is, uh, you know, he, like I said it there off the top, he is one of the best people in this industry when it comes to uh, dealing with fighters. He works on the PR side of things. He does so much work. Like, I, I you know, if people want to use an equivalent, like people talk about how many, uh, you know, hats I wear as far as uh, working in this industry as a journalist. Ed is sort of the PR version of this. Ed does a lot of work sort of, uh, you know, for different companies. And, and we'll get all into that in a second here. But uh, first, uh, you know, first time I or first uh, sort of way I like to start off this podcast is uh, talking about how we know each other. And Ed and I actually haven't met in person. But I believe the first time uh, you and I ever actually came into contact was you were on my old podcast, The Parting Shot, which was an audio version. And you were doing a website called I want to say it was called When the Cage Door Closes or something like that. Uh, did do you remember this at all? Locks, when the cage door locks. <laughs> yes, close, close. Yeah, I almost I, had it there. I almost had it. Almost, almost. Yeah, that was probably six or seven years ago. Yeah, that was when I was, uh, was I guess, trying to do what you're doing, basically. Not uh, not video interviews, obviously. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was before I transitioned to the, the PR side. 
that was pretty much the first, or that was definitely the first interview that I ever did. And this is like the second interview that I've ever did. So I've kind of come right. full Yeah, we're, we're, we're breaking ground here uh, for sure. It's awesome. Uh, so you know, this is cool for me because, uh, you know, you and I talk a lot and there's a lot I don't know about you. And that's uh, one of the fun things about this podcast. Um, so I'm going to start from the beginning. Where did the interest come in, uh, in combat sports? Where did that sort of stem from? Uh, I guess I, as, a, as a kid, I boxed for, for a few years. Um, but, and then I guess I kind of got introduced to mixed martial arts via like Spike TV, UFC Unleashed, the old, uh, pay-per-views they'd have. That was when I was in high school. Uh, so I wasn't like, I guess an early fan, like I wasn't watching VHS tapes or anything. I was somewhat aware of it, but in high school, my interest didn't really picked up and, uh, I had a lot of time on my hands. So I had a lot of time to watch the sport. Uh, I had a lot of time to, to interview fighters. That was another passion of mine, writing, interviewing, that kind of thing. And then it all kind of just came together. Yeah, it certainly did. When did you sort of decide to make that transition and what sort of prompted you from to switch over from, you know, journalism to uh, the PR side of things? Uh, well, I went to the University of Regina. I was, uh, I, I guess, like two years into my, my program pre-journalism. So I was kind of like on the, the verge of going into the journalism school there. Um, but instead, I, I decided to, uh, to kind of start my own website to go a different path because I thought, well, I'd only have I might regret not going back to do it. I could always go back to school, whatever, if the website didn't work out. Um, and then, yeah, that kind of marked my my transition from school to to mixed martial arts. And then from from that, I like I like you said, I owned a website. Uh, former UFC fighter Charles McCarthy was managing fighters at the time. I did kind of like a "Where are they now?" interview on him. Uh, he liked how it went. I liked how it went. So he hired me to do a couple uh, like written biographies for his fighters. Uh, write press releases when we signed with the UFC, that kind of thing. That was a Guardian Sports Agency or Guardian Group, sorry. And uh, yeah, that that was the transition, and then that led to CES, and then that led to Unified and Valor and Top Game, eventually Iridium, five five nine fights, everything. Where we are now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, which is a whole laundry list of, uh, you know, uh, companies and stuff that you work for, which is, which is excellent. Um, so you, I remember seeing your articles on Bleacher Report. Was that the only outlet you ever worked for when you were a journalist or did you work for any other outlets? You know, uh, there were a few other websites. Uh, the Garv, I'm not sure if you remember. Yeah, I do remember the Garv. The Garv. Yeah. Wow. We're going really old school on this. Yeah. I remember yeah. the Garv. <laughs> so that's kind of where I got my start. Uh, MMAcanada.net was another uh, smaller website that I worked for. They were kind of like ending their run basically as I was getting started. So it didn't really match up. But Bleach Report was a good fit because they would just accept anything. And my stuff definitely wasn't, uh, you know, good enough to be bought by anyone or, <laughs> or purchased. So that was great. No, but Bleach Report was just like the, the main, my main site to, to start on. Yeah, and if you go back, I actually did this the other day because you know I was kind of looking up some of your older work. Uh, if you if you search Ed Cap and Bleacher Report, some of your articles are still on there, which is kind of neat for people like myself and other journalists who work with you all the time. I think a lot of people forget that you were uh, you know a full fledged journalist doing the interviews and, and things like that. Do you remember the first interview you ever did on the journalism side of things? Yeah, recently I was actually back on my my Bleacher Report uh, profile, and it started out with NFL stories actually. Oh, interesting. Um, okay. Just like small NFL and CFL, because I'm a big Saskatchewan Rough Riders CFL fan. Um, but the first MMA article was about Anthony Johnson and how he's the future of MMA. <laughs> <laughs> that, that turned out to be pretty accurate, yeah. I mean, yeah, eventually. <laughs> After a few, like, bumps in the road. There yeah. Sometimes when it looked like maybe my prediction wasn't right, but that was... 
That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, that was my first article. And then, uh, yeah, eventually just kind of transitioned to interviewing fighters and then just snowballed into where I am today, basically. Did you ever cover any events when you were a journalist or was it just doing the interviews? Uh, well, until recently, I worked for the uh, Leader Post, which is like the Regina's newspaper. So I've covered every type of event, like hockey, uh, Saskatchewan Rough Riders games, any sport that's played, basically, I've covered it. But uh, as far as mixed martial arts, no, not really. I've, I worked a few events, like local events with uh, Saturday Night Fights. That's right. Who I'm not yeah. affiliated with anymore. But yeah, I, I worked some of those events. So I did cover them live. Uh, a few like as a journalist, covering them for Bleach Report, uh, getting results for the Leader Post. But, and then a few of them afterwards with like public relations, like social media updates, that kind of thing. But I really haven't had much experience at live events. Not much at all. So you start working with Team Guardian, which, by the way, at the time, uh, they had a pretty impressive roster. If I'm not mistaken, Amanda Nunes was part of that group, Charles Rosa. Who were some of the other fighters part of Team Guardian back in the day when that was still a thing with Charles McCarthy managing the fighters? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, Walt Harris was the first UFC fighter. He was the first client that we had signed, uh, and then he was also the first UFC fighter. Uh, Alex White was another guy. Uh, Charles Rosa, Amanda Nunes, uh, Nina Ansaroff. Uh, Tisha Torres, did I mention her? Um, Marcus Brimage for a while when he was in the U.S. Okay. with us. Um, yeah, I'm sure there that's, are that's a, pretty, that's a pretty impressive list. I mean, you had me at Tisha Torres and Amanda Nunes. I mean, yeah. that, that's a, still a pretty impressive list back in the day. How did you initially hook up with Charles? You mentioned doing the interviews initially, but how did you even get in contact with him to begin with? I must have seen an article or seen postings of him on, on Facebook. Like when I started uh, like writing about mixed martial arts, I was adding everyone that I could find on Facebook. Right. So surely he was just someone that I added and saw that he was up to managing fighters. And then that seemed like a kind of interesting story. So I sent him a, a request and he was uh, more than happy to, because I mean, he was at the time trying to build his brand as a manager as well. So yeah, he was more than happy to. And yeah, the stars just aligned. That, that, really? That's excellent. And then, of course, uh, you know, Team Guardian sort of, uh, you know, dissolves. Uh, they, they don't manage anyone anymore. And then uh, you end up working for, like you said, CES. So how did how did you go from Guardian to CES and then and sort of your other gigs? Like, I'm curious, you know, for the people listening at home that may be interested in doing PR, I'm curious to hear how you ended up getting all these gigs, because I know reputation's a big thing. I mean, you, you established that early on. But uh, how did you sort of end up getting these uh, specific gigs that you, that you started having uh, after everything? Uh I guess it's kind of different for each one, but basically it's just trying to build on, on each of the relationships that developed, like with Tyson Chartier, who owns uh, Top Game Management, he co-managed uh, Rob Font with Charles McCarthy. So then eventually I, I got into doing PR for Tyson. It's just basically, uh, you know, trying to to see where you can add value. And I've just tried to do that a bunch. Uh, a lot of it comes on recommendation. Some of it comes on me reaching out. Uh, some people reach out to me. But yeah, it's just... Uh, I don't know, all about adding value, basically. Yeah, and and again, building and, uh, building that reputation, like you said, because uh, you established it, uh, you know, pretty early on. And what's what's cool for you uh, to see your career is that you and I sort of started at the same time, like as far as when you went full fledged into PR and when I was sort of doing the journalism thing. And I remember, I want to say the first fighter you ever pitched me, because this was like early on. I can't remember what year this would have been, but I remember. I want to say Chuck O'Neill from CES was maybe the first interview you pitched me. Is that accurate, or do I do I have this wrong? No, I'm pretty sure. I'd have to go back and look at what that was the Parting Shot podcast again. So we are yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, Man, the, the audio I, version. Yeah. So, I mean, we're, yeah. we're going back a couple of years, but it was, it was those CES guys. And I remember when you pitched them to me, I mean, I didn't know a ton. I mean, I knew Chuck from the ultimate fighter, but I just remember thinking like, you know what, I'll start to interview these regional guys. I bet, you know, it, it's a good way for me to, you know, practice on my interviews and, and everything else. And it sort of snowballed from that into me doing the video interviews, but it was those early relationships. Like I remember it was Chuck O'Neill. Uh, I think Eric Spicely was also an early one for CES and also uh, Chip Mraza Pollard when he fought in CES uh, was another yeah. early one as well. And those were sort of the ones that I sort of used and built up. And one I got to thank you big time for uh, Eric Anders. Eric Anders is like an early one for me as well. And of course, Eric's now fighting Leota Machida. It's kind of crazy to see how uh, how much, uh, you know, the, the relationship, how far it goes back. Yeah, it's it's really cool. That's uh, that's something that I really enjoy about the sport, not just with you, but uh, yeah, it's been Really, really cool for us to, I guess, progress at the same time in our careers, and I, I really appreciate all you've done for me, obviously. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just been really cool. Uh, at, yeah. at first, like when I got involved in the sport, I kind of thought that I missed the bus because everyone had these pre-established relationships and everyone knew everyone, but I didn't know anyone. <laughs> so yeah. I kind of thought that I was a little late to the party and faced a bit of an uphill uh, challenge, but everyone is, is so, I mean, most everyone is so great. Um, and then, yeah, but to to uh kind of drift kind of drifting off here <laughs> no 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 but, no, but it, one thing i was going to ask you too is like uh, did you have any mentors early on like was there anyone that you sort of used as like a catalyst to say okay this is how i want to go about doing my business because one of the things i'll give ed credit for he's very organized i mean if i have an interview i don't even have to really remind him because i know that you've already reminded the fighter and everything else like where did that sort of come from were there any mentors or was it just sort of the the method you've been using since day one um i'm not an organized person <laughs> <laughs> at all. Really? Okay. No, he's, I, he's lying, by the way, I think. So anyways, but yeah. <laughs> this, uh, like, like the organization of my professional life, that's not at all like a representation of my organization and my personal life. I, I'm not organized at all. Thankfully, I have a fiance to take care of that. But that's something that I do take a lot of pride in, so everything runs, you know, as smoothly as possible. Take as much, I, I guess, of the guesswork out of it as possible. Um. Yeah, as far as mentors go, uh, Charles McCarthy was an early guy who really is like uh, an encyclopedia when it comes to, to managing fighters and the business of fighting. So I really couldn't have asked for a better guy to uh, to really, uh, I, I guess, like help me with my like foray into the sport. He's definitely uh, an early mentor. Um, you know, the... the I, I do all my work remotely, so I, I don't really travel for my work or anything like that. So there aren't there aren't guys that I meet up with and talk about business or work or anything like that. But I do watch a lot of videos uh, from guys like Brian Tracy, uh, Anthony Robbins, uh, Peter Drucker. So just lots of like business professionals like that. I do a lot of reading on uh, on time management and that kind of thing. So my mentors, yeah, not like in person, but I do read a lot of books. I watch a lot of videos. I study a lot of techniques, that kind of thing. So yeah, no, no in-person mentors I can reach out to, but I've, I've learned a lot on my own, I guess. And one of the big leaps you made uh, was actually recently, or at least it feels recently, uh, was when you started working with Iridium Sports. And of course, Iridium, uh, for those who don't know, they have a really stacked roster. As far, I mean, they, they manage so many people. It's pretty crazy. You know, like Eric Anders, who I mentioned, you know, uh, they've got uh, just, just a stable of guys uh, as far as some of the UFC fighters. How did that come together with you uh, joining Iridium Sports and working with Jason House and Jeremy Lechu? Uh Well, that's pretty much... Uh, that. Right as Guardian was dissolving, uh, and, and it kind of became clear that my future wasn't in that organization, I started to reach out to uh, all like the top management firms uh, about how I might be able to, to do PR for their fighters, do social media. 
that kind of thing, help out with anything really, because I had a lot of experience managing fighters, but paperwork and stuff like that wasn't necessarily what I wanted to do. So I reached out to all the big management companies. Uh, Jason was the only guy who really showed any uh, interest, and thank God he did. And thank God I didn't go somewhere else because I don't know, man. Iridium is on fire. And uh, yeah. yeah, anyway, I I I I, uh, I messaged him a lot. I had to message him a few times <laughs> because he had uh, another arrangement that he was, I, I guess, somewhat satisfied with at the time. So I had to really have him. Uh, to to get to, to to have him bring me on board, I'm glad I did. That probably took maybe three or four phone calls back and forth over the course of uh, a few months of me hounding him. And and he'll say like I <laughs> I did hound him. Uh, and then yeah, eventually he brought me on board. And maybe I don't know, man. The the timing all kind of blends together. But I think probably about a year ago, maybe. Yeah, it, it, it seems about right. Yeah, it's it's, it's definitely been uh, about at least more than a year, I would think. Uh, but but you know, not yeah, too long ago either. So it's yeah. been uh, it's it's been great to see. Um, so was that the point when you started doing this full time? Because I know you are a full timer. It's tough to work in the industry full time. Um, you know, when did that sort of happen for you, where you kind of just you know left everything else and just focused solely on the PR side of MMA? Um. When did I when did I transition to doing PR full time or just like managing fighters and, and everything? Yeah, yeah, just, just 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 uh, you know doing this full time. Like when did that sort of happen? Because you mentioned your other gigs, uh, you know, working for the for the Post and Regina and everything. But when did you actually go full time doing this as as a full time job? Yeah, um, that was I, I think in 2015, probably mid 2015 is when I made the transition. And like, I always did like the, the writing, like the sport, like the leader post on the side, just cause it was just a few stories a month. It wasn't anything too crazy until recently. I've had to drop, like I, I dropped it recently just to make more time for, for everything else. But yeah. Probably where I say mid 2015, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, uh, so, yeah. It, like I had saved up like a bit of money before that. So I, I didn't have to, it was, I had a bit of a cushion there, uh, so it wasn't like a, I don't know, it, it wasn't, I, I guess, like do or sorry, my battery's dying. <laughs> no worries, no worries. Um, yeah, to, mid two thousand fifteen, and then it's just been building and building up since then. Uh, I, I've done, I haven't done a good job of keeping timelines of, of when I worked for where, just because it's all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it sort of all blends together. I mean, you're you're definitely a busy guy. Now, are we going to lose you here? Do you, do you have a plug for your for your phone? I, I don't want to make sure we uh, we lose you. Do, do you have a Do you have a plug you right know, now? Fifteen percent. My fiance kills okay. me when it gets to like twenty percent, but I think fifteen. I'll let you know when we get to five. Then I'll <laughs> sure. We'll, uh, we'll yeah, we'll have to do it because uh, of course we are live, so we have to make sure uh, that that's all good. Um, so what that's is sort of your day? What does your day-to-day look like? I mean, if we're going in, you know, the day-to-day life of EdCap, uh, what, what is it, you know, when do you get up? What, what sort of a typical day look like for you? Uh, I like to sleep in a little bit. So usually it's like 7.30 that I'm up. I don't like to get up too early. Um, then I have a bike over there, like a recumbent bike. I'll go for a ride. I'll uh, check the news, check Facebook, check Twitter, everything, see what my fighters have been up to overnight. <laughs> uh, and then I'll start to, to do that more seriously at probably about 8.30 or 9. I'll start to remind fighters of what interviews they have uh, that day. I'll start to uh, post things because I, I have um, – I have big schedules of what, what gets posted when. I, I don't like to schedule my posts. I know that you can do that via Facebook or whatever, but I, I feel like the engagement isn't as high when you do that. So I like mm-hmm. to be there to physically post. So 
I'm posting throughout the day. Uh, sometimes I'm interviewing fighters for press releases, uh, interviewing fighters to get their background story. Uh, pitching fighters is a huge part of the day. I usually do that. Uh, I, I have it all scheduled out. So I'm basically, the bulk of my work is done on three days and then two to three days are, are pretty chill and then usually like Sunday off. Um, yeah, it's just kind of keeping a pulse on what my fighters are up to. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just it, quarter, yeah, you, you, I mean, it's kind of like me too, where I mean, you do have days off, but you're still kind of have to be around a little bit just in case stuff happens. Uh, you know, whether it's exactly. you know an, an interview or you know making sure you post something or let's say a fight happens or whatever. Like, uh, I'm sure you have to be kind of on standby for that. Unfortunately, that's one of the downsides. Exactly, but I'm kind of a homebody anyway, so I wouldn't <laughs> rather be anywhere else anyway. That's fine. Uh, and, Friday and Saturday nights, I usually have to be here because that's generally when fights are, but I, I don't mind that. That's okay. Okay. And and how does that impact your social life? I mean, th this sport can consume you sometimes. How do you sort of keep your fiance happy, keep your friends happy that you're still getting in that social time while also doing this as a full-time job? <laughs> I mean, as long as, uh, but yeah, I mean, my social life is definitely taking a hit because I, I've invested, uh, I don't know a percentage of my time, but the vast majority of my time over the last uh, four, almost four years. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't have a, a very, like, active social life anymore. In high school, I would always go out. Uh, in university, I would like to go out a little bit. But I, I just don't really have time for that anymore. Uh, yeah. And I don't really... Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply have an interest in it that much anyway so that's fine um but yeah like uh like i say friday saturday usually when the fights are so it's hard for me to be at a bar or something watching ufc fight pass <laughs> or, uh, or a live event on flow trying to live tweet that when i'm you know so yeah, it, out at a bar. Uh, it, you, you have to be home is basically what you're saying because, like, it, it's difficult. I mean, I know this, too. If I'm, you know, I'm having to do, like, updates or something, I have to be at home near my computer. I can't do it on my phone. It's just, it, it sucks. <laughs> I've, I've tried to do it before. It doesn't work out too well. So I, I can, I can uh, totally hear you on that. Um, you know, as far as uh, all the work you do and everything like that, uh, I know sometimes wires can get crossed. You know, you do manage fighters. You mentioned, you know, with Top Game and with Iridium. And then you also have fighters competing for organizations like CES. Now, especially with Top Game because Top Game, you know, a lot of the fighters are based in you know Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and you have fighters competing for CES. Do you ever run into that issue where you know sometimes it's a bit of a conflict of interest or anything like that? And if so, how do you sort of deal with that? There have been situations like that that come up in the past because uh, you know part of my job with with the agencies is recruiting. But I, yeah. I mean, it's not 
I can't really say, hey, are you available for uh, for an interview? And by the way, can you talk about signing with that? So, yeah. but I, I I'm very careful to to avoid crossing any lines. Um, it, it's interesting with Top Game and CES because Top Game has so many fighters fighting for CES. But it's, it's just a coincidence, really. So, I mean, I try to give equal attention to all the fighters who are going to, uh, you know, attract the most attention to an event. Uh, sometimes that's the fighters who are top game. You know, I'm always going to try to get them as much media as possible, but I'm going to try to get as much media as possible for their opponents if, uh, you know, if that's what's called for for promoting the event. Uh, but, yeah, conflict of interest. I mean, I, I work really hard to avoid, I guess, even having, like, the – the impression of that, I, I try to be very uh, like diplomatic. Um, yeah, it, it's, yeah, it's going to no, come off no matter really what. Like, you kind of you kind of just have to navigate it, I, I guess, when those situations come up. But uh, I mean, you yeah. have a, you you've built a reputation uh, sort of on your own with with the work you've done. That you know, I think people know that you're not going to try and screw anyone over. And again, like we said, reputation is so important that you don't want to put yourself in any situation like that either, where you know people might think you're being biased or whatever, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, so that, that's definitely important. Um, now, as far as, uh, you know, fighters you get to work with, do you have any sort of favorites? I know I, I don't want to make anyone else sort of jealous or whatever, but there must be some fighters that you've worked with for years that it's been, you know, really cool to work with and see them sort of reach their, their, you know, the next height in their career as well. <laughs> that's a dangerous question. Favorite clients. Um, as far as individual fighters, uh, the client that I've worked with the longest spanning two different agencies is Eric Anders. And, uh, I, I love Eric. Eric's, uh, an amazing guy. Uh, he's an amazing fighter. And it's, it's so cool to see him, him progress like this. So that's, uh, yeah, he, he would definitely be a favorite. Uh, mm -hmm. But I, I don't know. They're all favorites. I, I love all of them. I, I get along really well with all the clients. Uh, I, I think, anyway, I think they all like me. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, as far as, I mean, I, I enjoy watching all of them succeed. I enjoy getting all of them publicity. I enjoy reading all of their stories. So there's, there's really no favorites. But if I had to pick one just because of the time that we've been together, I'd have to say Eric Anders. Yeah, I'd have to say Eric. Is there sort of like a pro proud moment in your career uh, that, that sort of stands out? I mean, uh, I know you're still, you know, progressing uh, up, up the ranks of, of the PR business in, in mixed martial arts, but is, is there one moment that sort of, you know, you're really proud of, whether it was a guy getting signed to the UFC or maybe something, you know, maybe getting on with Iridium? Is there, is there one that sort of stands out for you? That's an interesting question. Uh, definitely uh, Eric signing with the UFC is a huge one. Uh, it, it feels weird to single anyone out with something like that because that's such a huge milestone for any fighter, but yeah, that was really special. I actually got to uh, to call Eric to tell him that he had oh, cool. been signed by the UFC. That that's something that Jason said that he would uh, let me do when he first signed. So that was that was definitely special. And I mean, it's amazing to see him get these opportunities like that he's obviously worked so hard for. But to see him in Brazil, I mean, that's going to be uh, amazing and a huge uh, that, opportunity for him. That, yeah, when he gets that win, that will probably be my my favorite moment. I'd have to say. Um, <laughs> Other than that, I mean, Brent Primus winning the Bellator Championship was amazing. I mean, he's just such a great guy. Um, I don't know, man. I, I, I could go on for so long. I, I, yeah, I you wish don't that know, but I, I got to ask these questions because, you know, the, the people exactly. demand it. They want to know some insight there. Now, do you, do you ever deal with the UFC at all? Or is that all, you know, sort of the managers like that you work for, like, you know, like a Tyson Chartier with Top Game or a Jason House? Or do you ever deal directly with the UFC or with Bellator at all? 
Uh, no, literally uh, none. Okay. <laughs> uh, there was a time when I was more involved with like managing fighters with Guardian, where I'd be filling out like UFC paperwork, helping with UFC flights, that kind of thing. So that would be when I was working with them. But no, uh, every, everything that I do, I mean, I'd love to to work more with them. It, whatever I can do to, to help maximize that coverage and to make sure we're not overlapping or sending any unnecessary emails, anything like that. I would love to, but uh, just the way that's kind of set up, I work, I, I guess, like unilaterally from from Bellator, the UFC, or, or any promotion, really. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm just uh, just the agency guy, I guess. <laughs> right. Do you, do you would you ever want to go into being a manager at all, or do you think that's uh, are you just happy being on the PR side? Uh, I enjoy recruiting fighters, and I enjoy being a part of their success. Uh, you do feel a little bit closer to a fighter when you kind of like recruited them to the agency and you help them with more of the day-to-day stuff than just getting them interviews and helping them on social media. So I, I do enjoy that, but uh, the tedium of managing fighters, uh, I, I, that, I mean, that's kind of why I, I stepped away from that role of guardian. I'm just not like a detail guy. I'm not, uh, yeah, that, that's not me. I, I like dealing with, uh, with fighters, getting interviews, helping them on social media. Uh, pitching them, that kind of stuff. But yeah, managing fighters is not really my thing. How about not recruiting? Anymore. How about recruiting fighters? You just mentioned that. How do you go about doing that? Is it just you know looking at on topology? Is it looking at old fights? How do you go about like you know when a Jason House goes to you and said, "Hey, we're looking to sign some guys." How do you go about uh, recruiting fighters? Well, uh, until very recently, I would just go on your flow <laughs> ranking yeah. and see see who the top guys are. But I guess I'm not going to be able to do that anymore. Well, the it de- it's still good for December, so we can uh, you, you can use that as sort of a catalyst going forward. It doesn't doesn't. I, 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 I will. Much, so. I will. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I go on Tapology. Uh, I go on Fight Matrix. You can search for uh, all the top fighters under a certain age with a certain amount of wins with undefeated records. You can kind of uh, sift through who you think would be uh, like first on the UFC's roster. Then what I'll do is I'll make like a preliminary list. Uh, I'll Google them. I'll see if, if their names come up on, on any other management websites, so I can stay away from them. Uh, and then if they pass that, and then if I see that, you know, they've beaten legit opponents and they're, they're on their way, then, uh, then yeah, I'll, I'll message them on Facebook and I'll say, uh, I'll introduce myself. I'll say, hey, if you're not with another manager or another agent, uh, my partner, Jason, and I would really like to speak to you about how we might like to help your career. Uh, and then, yeah, usually they'll uh, they'll say, no, I'm with this guy. No, I'm with her, whatever. And then I'll back off and say, that's great. Best of luck. Um, but then, yeah, if they're interested, they'll try to set up a call between either the client or the target targeted client and myself or uh, Jason and myself and the fighter. Yeah, that's interesting. And, uh, you know, we'll touch on this quickly because it does happen. You, you mentioned, you know, the, the right way to go about things. There is ethics in this business of, you know, hey, are you with someone? But I know poaching happens a lot where, uh, you know, a management company will, uh, you know, try and steal clients. Um, how, how do you sort of deal with that? And, and you know, how often does that happen? Uh, you know, Jason and, and Tyson, too, they would probably be a uh, better able to I guess answer that as to how often happens I know it does happen a lot uh how do we deal with that I mean Jason Jason House is an attorney so he, I think he's been known to send uh, cease and desist letters if it comes to that or just asking the guys to back off uh sometimes it's just a miscommunication sometimes it's not always uh malicious or anything like that um 
yeah, I, I don't deal much with that, thankfully. That's more of a Jason thing. Uh, and thankfully, we have a proof. I'd like to think, sorry, I'm just trying to make sure. Don't worry. I think that, this is called uh, you know, interviewing on the fly. This is, uh, this is important stuff. Uh, you know, we can, we got to think Ed yeah. here for trying to plug his phone in. So, <laughs> um, where was I? Uh, so yeah, I, I'd like to think that we have a, a pretty great relationship with our clients where if they're getting those messages, they are coming to us and saying, uh, you know, I, I got this, whatever. And, and that has happened. And then, uh, but you know, mo most of the fight, I mean, every fighter really is, is happy with us. I, I think that Iridium has one of the lowest turnover rates in, in the sport, uh, especially for a large agency. And I mean, with top game with, uh, with Tyson, I mean, he's, I don't think he's ever really lost a client. Um, so, I mean, poaching, it, it's kind of only an issue, I guess, like if the, if the fighter is unhappy to begin with, like if they're satisfied, I guess they'll have no reason to, uh, to explore other options. But sometimes I guess the poacher is also kind of lie. That's been known to happen too. So that, I right. don't know. I just say well, it, it happens. I, I really, you sort of have to navigate. I, I try really yeah, I, I try really hard to avoid anything like that and would definitely defer to Jason if I got a message from a fighter saying something like that or Tyson. So we've got about uh, nine minutes left here on the show. Uh, I apologize that uh, we started late. We had some tech issues. Ed's got an engagement coming up here. I also have an interview coming up here as well. So, but we'll, I'm, I'm thinking we'll get Ed back on at some point because there's a lot to sort of dissect. But there, there was a couple of things I wanted to cover before we let you go here. Uh, what would you say is sort of the best advice for someone looking to get into this line of work, uh, you know, in the PR business uh, that you could sort of give? Because I'm sure you do get questions every now and then from people looking who are interested in doing this line of work. Oh, man. Best advice. Uh, or, or how about how would they get started? I mean, you know, your, your case is a little bit different, you know, just because yeah, you're from the journalism that's side, that's but how, how would someone get started? How would someone get started? Uh, I, I think that's even harder than the advice that I was going to give. For <laughs> well, advice, I was going to give. So that's fine, yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay, I'll have to come back to this on the next episode. Uh, best, best advice. I, I guess just try really hard to make sure that uh, – that, that you're not burning bridges, that you're always adding value, that you're honest, uh, that you're not, I guess, like over-promising what you're going to deliver, uh, that you make sure that you do deliver what you say you will. Uh, it's important that if you say you're going to do something, that you do it. Uh, this is all really general stuff, though. I don't know if that differs too much. Uh, yeah, organization is key. I've done it both ways when I'm not organized, and I've done it when I'm organized, and it's a lot better when you are organized. Um, yeah, just just general advice. As far as how to get in it, I, I guess uh, maybe just try to message uh, like fight organizations uh, in a professional way. If anyone wants to message me or something, I'd be willing to help out. But it's kind of a unique thing about being in the right place at the right time. So I don't even know if uh, if any advice about starting off would be even like relevant. I'm not sure. I don't think so. I'll, I'll give my two cents and I'll see if you agree with me here. I, th I think it's important if, if you're starting out to, you know, work with some local promotions, some regional promotions, especially if you live in the States, because uh, in Canada, I know it's kind of drying up a little bit here as far as some of the, the promotions that are out there. But I mean, uh, you know, I see all the time, uh, you know, in the Midwest or anywhere in the States, uh, there's always local promotions who are, you know, putting on events every weekend and, uh, you know, just hit them up and ask if you can help out. And I think that that's a good way to, to get your feet wet. And it, it's important too to understand how events are put together, especially on the local level. And, you know, from there, you build a reputation and then you can go into some of the bigger things like what Ed's doing now. But I think starting off on those grassroots promotions, I think is a good idea. What, what would you say to that? 
No, that's that's really good advice, actually, because obviously you're not going to get a job with the UFC right away or with Bellator right away. If that's what you want. Yeah, uh, get 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 into the bottom four or something, or as close as you can to to see how the business works, and then see how you can add value to the operation, how you can add, I guess, excitement through public relations and garner interest. Um, yeah, yeah, that is really good advice. So start start at the bottom locally and uh, just see how far you can go, basically. Yeah, exactly. That's sort what of I'm doing. Yeah, see see how it sort of uh, all works, all comes together and all that. Um, what do you have coming up? What's sort of the, the next step for you? Is it just, you know, keeping with the promotions you're with or is there sort of like a dream job in this industry that you have? Uh, if you sort of looked ahead, because I know you talked about, you know, reading Anthony Robbins and Tony Robbins and all that stuff. I'm sure you have a vision for what's coming in the next five years. I, I, I do. Um, I'm very happy with, with the current setup. Uh, I, I don't want to dilute the service that I offer. That's pretty important. That's extremely important. Uh, so yeah, the, the next five years is just to continue to build on what we've got. I'm really happy with all the clients I have. I hope they're happy with me. Uh, if it makes sense to bring on new clients, I'm definitely always interested, but, uh, you know, if you asked me two years ago where I'd be two years ago, I guess I kind of figured this just deeper with, you know, maybe more clients helping the clients I have do bigger and better things and just, uh, just moving forward. I don't see myself leaving the business anytime soon. I really enjoy it. Uh, so yeah, just, just building. That's, that's my goal. And, and Ed just mentioned there, you know, Ed, Ed lives in Saskatchewan and Regina, which is like, you know, kind of not close to any of these like major cities. So uh, it just goes to show, you know, if you, if you're really uh, passionate about something, it doesn't matter where you live, you can do this remotely at, at, you know, any time zone or whatever. And, and Ed is sort of living proof of this. And Ed is being very modest here. Uh, Ed gets props all the time as he should, uh, because, you know, he works with a lot of journalists and, and he's, he makes it really easy to, you know, to, to schedule interviews and do interviews. So uh, I'll give you some props there, Ed. Uh, how many journalists do you figure you work with on a regular basis? Uh, just as we're wrapping up the show here. Uh, I'd say maybe 10 to 15 guys who I'm consistently uh, pitching stories to. Okay. Uh, some I work with more than others, like with you. I mean, I'm setting up multiple guys a week, ideally, you know, as long as there's enough stuff on the calendar, which there generally is, and I don't see that slowing down anytime soon. Uh, but yeah, probably 10 to 15. Some guys I might collaborate with um, on maybe one story a year, two stories a year, but yeah, just uh, – Always building relationships, I think, is, is key, too, to go back to one of your earlier questions. For sure. Uh, before we uh, get out of here, I wanted to quickly address something because this is the MMA Industry Podcast, and I announced on Twitter before I did the show that I, uh, I'm going to be taking a reduced role with Flow Combat. Ned, I'll sh shine some light on this for you as well because uh, I know you, this is kind of new to you as well. So for those who know, uh, don't know, I am uh, going to be taking a step back from Flow Combat. It wasn't my decision. It was uh, the higher-ups, and this wasn't uh, Dwayne Finley at all or any, any of those people that came from above him. And I guess basically what's happening is Flow is uh, going to be uh, scrapping their live events. So, uh, so I'm not really needed. I mean, a lot of the work I do in Ed, you know this because I, I work with you a lot on it is I interview a lot of the prospects that are on upcoming flow cards. And so basically, I've been taking a, a reduced role at this point. Um, you know, it, it's, it's part of the industry. Uh, you got to be ready for anything, especially me doing this full time. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to be hurting too much financially because I, I do work for so many outlets that I knew if a situation like this came up that, I, that I'd be okay. But for those asking, those wondering, I just found out the other day, actually on uh, Boxing Day, that, uh, yeah, that, that I'd be taking a reduced role. So what I'll be doing going forward by the sounds of it is I'll be doing more editing and, and video stuff. Uh, you know, not me on camera, but behind the scenes, I'll be doing that. Uh, as far as what, what, what's going to happen with Flow, we're still sort of figuring it out. But this is nothing on Dwayne Finley or anyone that I work with at Flow Combat. 
uh, it, it came from sort of higher above. And I think they're just altering their strategy of what it is they want to do. And it's a bummer because I love doing the rankings and I love, you know, interviewing a lot of prospects. But uh, I just, uh, unfortunately, I won't be doing that. Um, I'll still be doing prospect interviews for MMA Odds Breaker. I'll continue to do my work with, you know, the, all the LFA fighters and everything else. And I'll still be doing some prospects on there as well. So I'm not completely out of the, the prospect game just yet. But uh, for those wondering, uh, yeah, that's basically what's happened. And if you have any more questions, definitely hit me up. But I'm not making this show about me. We still got to make it about Ed. So Ed, before I let you go, I uh, just remind people all the all the places you work, anything you got coming up, uh, you know, as far as clients and things like that, and where people can get a hold of you on social media. The floor is yours, sir. Okay, client list in alphabetical order: uh, five five nine fights, CES boxing, CES MMA, Iridium Sports Agency. I've always been bad at alphabetical order, so I'm trying. Uh, Valor <laughs> fights. I should have mentioned Top Game Management in there first. Top Game Management, Valor Fights, uh, Unified MMA. Uh, I believe that's everything. It better be everything. I'd hate to miss anyone. Uh, as far as follow me, add me on Facebook if you want to. I don't really post much. Mostly just tagged and stuff. And stop tagging me and stuff. Enough. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, <laughs> Not you, Jay. Everyone else. <laughs> you can yes. tag it. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, and, and for those who want to get a hold of me on social media, it's at Lynch on Sports. That's L-Y-N-C-H. I got a bunch of interviews coming up for this Saturday's uh, UFC 219 card on Fightful.com right here on Fightful. And then other than that, uh, that's pretty much it. I took a little bit of a break, a tiny break, uh, but I've been doing some interviews today and I actually got some interviews after this. So uh, still trying to keep pace uh, with what I was doing before. And you can check all that out there. And again, guys, if, if you like this podcast and you want to give some feedback or you have any questions, want any advice, just hit me up on Twitter. My DMs are open. I'm happy to talk about this podcast and any ideas you might have for it or uh, you know guest ideas or any just advice in general that that's why we do this podcast is so it's uh, informative and uh, Ed, I got to thank you again man I, I've said it a couple times on here but I really do owe Ed a lot for where I've been in my career because Ed is uh, really helped me out getting fighter interviews and he really is the best in the business so uh, be sure to check out Ed after we're done here and uh, I want to thank all of you for listening and until next time uh, tune in next week uh, Thursday probably around the same time at one o'clock eastern time and we want to thank you for watching today sorry for the short podcast but we'll be back next week <laughs> Thanks, Jay. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24 7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.